is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. It's Jill. Welcome back to Be You. And if you happen to be a three-year-old little boy named Rocco, Mimi just wants to say, I'm so happy you're listening to my show and I love you so much. Okay. So if you wonder why in the world I just said that, my grandson Rocco has discovered my podcast. Now, the good news is it's actually funny. Kids that age pick up on so much. It's just crazy. So as you know, If you don't have kids yet, hear this out. So he's just turned three and we got in my car, I don't know, a couple of months ago. I pick him up from his little Montessori school um, almost every day. Sometimes my husband does. And we got in the car and I was interviewing someone and I was listening to the episode. He got in the car and all he heard from my voice was, "Mm mm-hmm. And he goes, Mimi, that's you. How are you on the music? And I said, what? He said, that's you. And so we ended up playing the rest of the episode the entire way home, and he loved it. And then he he said things like, how do you do that? How do you put Mimi in the radio? So my husband picked him up from school the other day, and he asked for Mimi's show. The problem is that I forgot that I drop F-bombs pretty regularly. So we need to start. I think I'm going to record one specific episode just for Rocco. And that's the only one we're going to let him listen to. Anyway, so before we get to our conversation today, I want to share with you some background. So I had my husband on the episode the week of Valentine's Day. I believe it was the 13th of February. So if you have not heard that episode, uh, you might want to go back and take a listen. This is part two to that. And that episode was focusing on what we each did individually to transform our marriage And that whatever it is that we did had nothing to do with the other person. So I said to him, first of all, I'd love to have you back on. I know my listeners loved it. And let's focus on something else. We thought about maybe talking about, it's hard for me to even talk right now because my dog is breathing so heavily in my face because my husband wanted to have the dogs down here. And Hazel's staring at me right now and just, (laughs) right, Hazel? Anyway, so we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about. And we have so many things we want to share with you. But I said, what if the part two was not what we did in this relationship to make it amazing, but going back to like why we both got divorced to begin with, because we're, we are both second time around married people. 
And I remembered a Facebook post that I made. And so we decided to have that be the jumping off point. So I did a little meme and on the meme it says, two valid experiences and yours isn't one of them. And the post says, loving reminder that when you hear about a divorce, it's really easy to take sides to assume that there is a villain and a victim. When we have opinions, we're simply projecting our own idea of what their marriage was, when in fact, in actuality, we weren't in it, so we truly have no idea. Support without buying into the victim-villain stories or shush. So today, I have my sweet husband TK on to talk about what not to do if you find out that a family member or a friend or an acquaintance or a random person on Facebook is getting a divorce. Don't immediately jump into the story that there has to be a victim and there has to be a villain and be supportive without taking sides. And we're going to share with you some of the experiences that we had when we were divorced. But first, I'd like to introduce you to my husband of almost nine years, TK Herman. Hello, and thank you for having me back. And I'm glad that you mentioned that Henry and Hazel, our dogs, are in the room because I didn't want people to think that I was panting over you doing the intro, which I suppose is a possibility. Well, especially if they did listen to the last episode where I talked about how I can't stand the way you clear your throat and I get annoyed if you eat next to me, they might think, oh my God, I totally agree with Jill. He's a really heavy breather and it's annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, also they don't have the visual of you being in your robe and your pajamas that you slept in and it's what, 2.45 in the afternoon, but that's okay. <laughs> Heavy breathing. Here's what not to do in a marriage. When your wife says something, turn around and come back with some sort of critical remark in retaliation. Yes, I actually am. Many times I wear the same thing that I wore the day before. My grandmother used to do that. My ama was so funny. She would come stay with us about once a year and she would wear something and then I'd notice her wearing it the next day and sometimes the day after that. That's happened a few times. It I has. just don't say anything, but I, I, know. I do notice it. Just go with it, babe. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband, TK, is here. As I said, I'm excited to have a few other episodes with you because you have so much to offer and so much wisdom. And I just, I, it's not just coming from me being in love with you. Like objectively, well, I can't really be objective, but subjectively hoping to be objective, I will say that I'd love for you in the future to talk to us about leadership because I the way I watched you grow a business and lead your team is exactly how you lead our family. And it's really a beautiful thing to watch. And I've learned a lot from you. Uh, but today we're going to talk about what not to do when you see or hear about someone getting a divorce based on our experiences. Obviously, we're not, we're not experts and we're not shaming anyone for how they respond. But what do you think about that when someone gets a divorce? Or maybe you can share your experience. Yeah, I think I think to me, it's, you know, we, you and I both have different paths that we sort of took, but I should actually back up a second because your viewers probably, or your listeners probably don't know this, that you and I actually went to high school together and we're just married to different people for 18 years. And uh, in fact, I think you should probably put on one of the posts, one of the reels for this episode, uh, the high school picture that I show all the time of, of, of you and I together. But uh, um, we had different paths to get to sort of where we are today. And uh, I think that you would probably say that, you know, in your past, you were you were judgmental towards some people 
that would that were getting a divorce. I know you've shared that before, so I'm not talking out of line. Obviously, you can you can kind of give your experience. And I was I was not that way, right? Because if I'm you know if I'm truthful. I knew six months into my marriage and probably even if I'm honest with myself before that, that I would get a divorce. And there's a whole, you know, arm's length long of counsel session reasons, you know, why uh, I didn't say something early on and, and why it took 18 years. That's, that's probably a separate topic. Well, I don't know. I think that at some point, let's talk about that a little bit because I think that feeds into helping people not form opinions title someone a victim or villain or judge when someone's getting a divorce because they might have reasons like you did. It's so easy to say, I can't believe he left her. I can't believe she left him. But when you share your experience, someone listening might say, oh, crap, I guess I never even thought that that could be a reason. I think, you know, the first thought that comes to my mind when you say that is um, a long time ago, I remember you saying, to me and kind of telling the story about if you see somebody doing something and you're like, your, your reaction is, I would never do that. The truth of the matter is, if you were them and you had their childhood, their thoughts, their life experiences, their trauma, et cetera, et cetera, the truth is you would make the exact same choice that they're making because why? You would be them, right? And so whenever we look at somebody from the outside, you can't help it but to have a lens, you know, on, and, and that lens comes from your own experience. And I think that's the most important thing that, that I've learned, I guess, through, through my own life's journey is, is just really trying to step back and not judging somebody for the decisions they're making or the way they're showing up in life because I have no, concept of what it is like to be them. I've never walked in their shoes. Mm -hmm. I've never been in their house when the doors are closed and the shades are down. Yeah. And you have no, we talked about this a minute before we hit record, just about some friends of ours. You also have no idea what's real. Right. Like forget Facebook, even just going out to dinner with people, you really don't know, as you said, what's behind the scenes, but even like, is that even real now that you know what you know? Like we've heard a few stories not stories. We were told about something recently about someone we both know. And we were both shocked. And we just remembered and realized everyone shows you what they want to show you. And you just have no idea. But back to the judgmental piece, I was super judgmental in general. And you were not a judgmental person and you still aren't. So there's that. But I was hyper judgmental of people who divorced because it was so painful when my parents got a divorce. Mm, and I was, I was never going to do that to my children. Like, I mean, I was so judgmental of people who did it because I realized how can you do that? Because it hurts so much. Because when my parents got a divorce, even though they argued all the time, and it was such a chaotic, terrible existence. It broke my heart. It broke my heart when they divorced. I just, I didn't, I can't even tell how much, tell you how much it hurt. I was also super judgmental because I was programmed by my religion. Religion, the church taught me that it was bad, completely wrong, condemned by God, and you just don't do that. The only biblical support of divorce is infidelity. If your spouse is unfaithful, then you can get a divorce. Otherwise, no. And so I took that to heart. I wasn't trying to be Judge McJudgerson. I, I truly believed it was wrong, and I truly was like disappointed in people. I would say it like that. Not like, 
you know, I'm so judgy. You're such a jerk. More of how could you do such a thing? I really felt that. And I even said to my children, TK, I told you this before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know you heard about so-and-so getting divorced. Listen, you guys, we will never do that to you. It ended up happening, right? And it was my choice. But years earlier, I said, we, don't worry. That will never happen in our house. We would never do that to you. And I 100% believed I would never be divorced. It didn't even enter my mind, the idea that I would ever be divorced, ever, until about a week before I filed for divorce. Anyway, back to you. No, I think, I think that's, I think is really interesting, you know, because uh, my parents today are, are still married, you know, at almost 80 years old. So I didn't have the same experience that, that you had. Um, I had, I would say the opposite experience, you know, because I grew up in a house where it wasn't religion that was sort of ingrained in me. There was an unspoken feeling, vibe, message, energy, whatever term you want to use that existed in that, that message was divorced people are bad people. And again, it was never spoken out loud, but that was definitely the sentiment when there were people, friends, et cetera, that, that were going through a divorce. Just okay, to, let me ask you about that. Did they actually make comments about people who got divorced? I don't, I don't really have any, I don't, I don't have memories or recollection of specific comments that, that may or may not have been made. But I, I, all I, all I know is that there was a vibe. And even later in, later in life, when I was having a conversation with my parents after you and I were, have been married, I made that comment and, my dad said, no, that's not true. And my mom actually paused and she goes, no, no, hang on. That's actually true. We have to, we have to admit that. And again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that's bad or wrong. It just is. So that's what sort of clouded my judgment and my feeling because, you know, again, I got married young and didn't have a lot of foresight. There's, there's a multitude of reasons, I suppose. I wanted to grow up fast, you know, and, and I just, I felt like I had to get on my life to go to the next stage. And that was the next logical step as opposed to sitting back and really thinking like what's important in a marriage. And nobody ever really had any conversations with me about that, which I think is one of the reasons that, you know, you, you and I both, but I, I really want to talk to our kids today about those kind of things because uh, I think we, we both would agree that, that I wouldn't change the direction of my life. Obviously, I wouldn't change anything, you know, being married to you at all. But we both don't like the idea of being divorced just mm-hmm. because of the complexity that it creates. Yeah, for sure. So I know we're talking about like what not to do when you find out someone's getting a divorce. But what we're talking about right now is pretty juicy. I think it's good. So let's stay here for a minute. Because based on my observation of you and your family and based on conversations I've had with you, you and I got married, both both of us got married for the wrong reasons and too young, too early in life. And I wouldn't say too young, too early in our personal growth and development. Maturity, because there are people, yeah. yeah, and awareness. Like we're both yeah. very unconscious, et cetera. But then there are differences, right? Where I and your family, and I don't know if anyone listening can relate to this, That's not true. I know someone listening can relate to this. My observation in TK's family and in his ex-wife's family, it's like he and his ex-wife at a young age decided to duplicate what they saw. Like you get married young, uh, you have two kids, you know, everybody had a boy and a girl, you stop there. Like it was very cookie cutter. And you were even telling me that like when you got your you had the wedding band engraved with the exact same phrase. Your dad had hit your mom's wedding band engraved with like the exact same phrase. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and again, that's not bad and wrong. 
right? It's just interesting that it's like, well, I copycat monkey see monkey do. And you said no one stopped you and no one stopped me either and said, hold on a minute. Why do you want to get married at 22? What's the rush? Are you sure that she's the one? And did anyone say to her, are you sure he's the one? And who knows, it may have made no difference. You may have both said, yeah, we're doing it. But that's very interesting because we've both said that we will honor our kids' choices, but we have no problem saying to them, hey, before you move forward, we just want to make sure that we say what our parents never said. It's okay to not get married. It's okay to live together because that's the other thing for me, by the way, part of the religious part. Oh my gosh. Remember, even you and I at 42, Mm -hmm. we were ready to get married and we had about a month before our wedding that I had to be out of my house and you had already gotten our rental house and I didn't want to move in with you if we weren't married. And I only did it because I knew it was going to be a few weeks because the idea of moving in together, that was traumatizing because my mother did that. She moved in with her boyfriend slash fiance and they ended up never getting married. And I was so embarrassed because our neighbors would say, even say like, um, so when is your mom getting married? And I'm like, um, pretty soon, I'm pretty sure. And there was so much shame around that. So much shame. Because they were shacking up. Yeah. And that was so just like bad. You don't do that. A lot's coming out in this <laughs> conversation. Um, back you, to you. <laughs> you. You said it was going to be like 20 minutes. It may take longer oh, than that Oh my now. gosh, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I'm putting myself in the hot seat here. So I interrupted you, which is what I tend to do with podcast guests. I guess that's what you do as an interviewer is you stop and say, because I'm like listening for the listener. Like, wait, they might have a question here. So you were saying no one stopped and asked you, hey, are you sure about this? No one questioned you. And you moved forward and you were 22, you graduated from college early. Mm-hmm. And you here's the interesting thing. You also said that like you and, and your ex-wife, when you were dating, you weren't even like madly in love, consistently dating. Like you would break up and get yeah. back together and break up. And it wasn't even a, a solid relationship. And you were, you would date other people. I mean. Yeah. And I, again, that goes back to the point where if I, today I can look back with a very different perspective on the world and look at all the signs along the way and, you know, just realize, you know, I'll use the term you used, uh, how unconscious I was, how I was just kind of going through the motions and not even, I would say not even listening to myself and honoring Mm -hmm. myself because, you know, I can point to things both before getting married and right after getting married that, you know, I knew on the inside this wasn't the right thing. Um, okay, so why do you think you did it? Because you didn't have to marry her. You could have just dated and even lived together. Yeah, I think for me, for me personally, it was this desire to grow up fast and move on with my life. Um, and that's what adults do. And yeah, and that's what adults do. And to your point, you know, I I graduated college in three years. You know, I, I tell the story a lot that after I'd gotten married, we didn't rent an apartment. We didn't rent a house. We built a brand new house. And, and you weren't rolling in money. No, no, no. But I was playing this part, mm-hmm. you know, and I was the first of all my friends to get married. And I thought that was the cool thing to do, which again, in hindsight, the, the, me, me saying this out loud and, and your listeners listening to it might sound insane, but there's also probably some people that it resonates with that. I was just very, again, going through the motions and to your point, sort of fulfilling probably patterns and, 
and ideals and a mindset that mm-hmm. I grew up with. Yeah. And when you're emotionally immature and you're not secure in not saying you, TK, but when we are emotionally insecure, emotionally immature, and we are insecure and we're not really grounded in who we are, we will look everywhere outside of ourselves to gain that that safety. What feels safe is not necessarily what is safe. What feels safe to us somatically is what feels familiar. So our brain remembers it and our brain's always looking for safety. So our brain remembers something, oh, that's safe, even if it's not, because it's familiar. And for you, what was familiar was mom and dad married. White picket fence. White picket fence, dinner on the table overnight. Dog. Right, (laughs) right. And you going off and doing something other than that, perhaps subconsciously could have felt very unsafe. So it feels safer to marry someone, whether I'm madly in love with her or not, because that feels familiar. Well, yeah. And I, I would say too, you know, again, in hindsight, there was definitely a lack of confidence for sure, which is interesting because on the outside, people might look at me and, and I, I, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And so just a few years after I, I had gotten married, I started working for myself and started building a business. And so people on the outside would go, what, what do you mean lack of confidence? You know, look, look at what you did there. But on the inside, there was a huge lack of confidence. You know, the idea of me going off and living in another another city or going off and being a snowboard instructor or whatever, it, you know, whatever it might be, or traveling the world with a backpack, I would never in a million years would have ever done that. Really? Ever. Even, even though I would see people that would do something like that and think that's really cool. I just, I would never have done that ever. Just because, again, I needed that comfort and that feeling that was around me that was familiar. Mm -hmm. And I think going back to what I was just saying, I I interrupted myself with a tangent thought and just going back to that, because I think it's good for us to focus on, um, everybody to focus on in life. When I had said, when we are emotionally immature, usually we were raised by emotionally immature parents, okay? So if we are emotionally immature, we might try to play house and grow up really fast because it makes us feel like an adult when the truth is we feel like a lost child. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so fast forward. Fast forward, here's what I think is interesting too, because again, like I said, I was a master at putting up a facade and you were a person that actually saw that facade. That conversation that you and I had several years ago before we were ever you know, together or anything really was a pivotal point for me because you were in the process of going through a divorce. I had, myself and your brother, had set you up with somebody. So uh, again, we went to high school together. And so we were talking a bit. And, you know, I remember you came to me and said, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm about right to send my divorce papers. I don't know if I've done the right thing. If I'm doing the right thing, I don't know if I've, you know, tried hard enough, et cetera, et cetera. The reason I wanted to just talk with you a bit is you, you, you're a safe person. We kind of run around with in different crowds, if you will. And, uh, you're somebody that I've known for a long, long time since high school. And you and, uh, and your wife have been married pretty much the exact same amount of time that, that my husband and I have. And you have this amazing marriage. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. And, and what you didn't know when you asked that question in my brain, I was going, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, because, to be clear, if I had spent time with the two of you, I would have picked up very quickly that there was no connection there. But you and I never socialized together. We were in two different worlds living in the same city. And so I had that impression. I looked up Facebook 
Right. right? And so we do this with people all the time. So I did what he's saying is I did with him and his ex-wife, like you and I, many of us do with other people. We look at the picture on the outside and we make a judgment call or we assume things are not, maybe not perfect, but that things are great. So on Facebook, he and his ex acted like they had the most amazing marriage, you know, and I assumed they did. And so when I asked him that question, if you could have seen the look on his face, it was like a deer in headlights. And I was like, what? What? I didn't get it. And he said, here's the thing. Watching you, I was separated for a long time at that point. I was, when he says I was getting ready to sign my divorce papers, it's only because out of guilt and enabling, I had not signed them yet, but I'd been separated for a year at that point. And he said to me, you have no idea. I'm not happy at all. We don't have it figured out. And it just was like this, you could hear a pin drop when you said that, because I just made this assumption. And, um, and it was, it was interesting for me because it was, it was literally that conversation. Cause again, I had known for years and years that I would get a divorce likely when the kids were out of high school. That was sort of my plan. And, uh, it was really that conversation that, that was the catalyst for me to say, you know what? I'm 42 years old. It's time to be a man. It's time to stop living, living my life in a way that I don't want to live it and go against the grain and go, you know what? I'm going to live for my, myself. I'm going to put myself first and move forward. That was a pivotal moment, you know, because I, at that point oh, in time, putting it mildly. Yeah. I had never, like nobody knew my whole story. And nobody knew my whole story. And I'm sitting there and you started asking me questions. And it was probably 60 seconds worth of questions, maybe even less. It felt like an hour. Um, only because I'm sitting here trying to think through as quickly as possible. Like, do I tell her? Do I not tell her? Just the thought process was going through my head very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and can I just say this? I started to say it a minute ago. And again, I interrupted myself because I tend to do that. And I forgot you also said that you had been living vicariously through me. So he had been watching me separated for a year. And again, good friends with my older brother. He and my brother were setting me up with people. And what I didn't know is that he was actually envious. Like you and I right now, when we look at single people, we're like, oh my God, I would (laughs) never want to be out in the dating world in my 40s. No offense if you're someone listening. But because we're so happy together. But you were watching me and you said, Jill, I've been living vicariously through you. Like, because I would like tell him and his ex actually about guys I was dating. I'd make jokes about guys I was dating. And you said you were living vicariously through me. And I still didn't get it. I said, what are you talking about? And you said, here's the thing. No one knows this, but we don't have the marriage you think we do. And I have been miserable for many, many years. In fact, I moved out a few months into our marriage because I wanted to divorce her then. And my parents pushed me back into the marriage and said, you need to get it out. And I don't have the words exactly right, but I was completely in shock. So I don't want to make this too much about you and your ex or focus too much on those details. But for, for our listeners, I'm giving you an example of me being blindsided by his reality because I was looking at the high right real and that was his reality in my view. But it wasn't real. It was completely fake and false. Yeah. And I think too, going back to the, the the topic at hand on how people are judgmental and look at things like this, you know, I, I because I was such a good uh, master, I'll say this, because I was such a master at putting up a facade on Facebook. When- yeah, listen, you're so hard on yourself. I'm going to interrupt again. 
Because you say a lot that you were a master at putting up a facade, but let me just say that sounds so manipulative and I get it is, but everybody does that. No, I get that. Yeah. yeah but I yeah. just want to say that about you because you are so not like a fake person and no, someone right, who right, right. is really controlling of your image. You really aren't like that. I think I love that you care enough to be honest about it, but I just want to cushion I, it a little. I appreciate that. Yeah. Because, because <laughs> you really. You did it, but all of us do it. Let me, let, all of us let, do it. let me back up then and say, rather than saying I was a master at putting up a facade, I was a master at showing the highlight reels of my life. Yeah, right? which again, all which of us do that. That's really what social media is primarily. So I wouldn't say you're a master at that. Here's what I would say as your bestie. When you say you're a master at that, it sounds very negative. I would say all of us are masters at only showing our highlight reel. What you don't know is what my behind the scenes was. Let me tell you what it was. Yeah, yeah. Honey, honey, everybody does that. Yeah, no, I get that. And so- um, I'm sticking up for you. Thank you. <laughs> Part of the challenge that I faced was one, being the the person in the marriage that asked for the divorce, that said, I want a divorce. And to your point, many people, I don't say all, you know, a lot of people, but many people at that point in time will pick- a victim and a villain. So I became the villain. And it was very frustrating to me when I was painted the villain, especially by people that had what I felt like were amazing marriages. And there's one, one person in particular, it was six months uh, or so after I had separated and, and were, was on the path to, to having all the paperwork done in the divorce. He and I were having a conversation. He was very, just very judgmental towards me. And he couldn't believe, you know, how I would choose to do this and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I stopped him and I'd known him for like seven or eight years at that point in time. And I said, you know, I said, the part that you don't know, I said, first off, when I look at you and your wife, um, to me from the outside, I don't know because I'm not, I'm not in your house, but to, from the outside, it looks to me like you are, hands down best friends. And he's like, we are. I go, okay. And I've, I've thought that. You know, didn't they have necklaces or something? I don't remember. Maybe. Yeah, you said um, they had necklaces they gave but, each other. Uh, and I said, you know, what's so hard for me is what you don't know is that for the seven or eight years that I've known you and your wife, I have been insanely envious of your relationship. Like I see how the two of you are. I see the chemistry there. And I don't have that. And all I want is that. And here I am saying, I finally stood up for myself and said, I don't have that. I want this, right? And you're judging me for mm -hmm. wanting what you have. Yeah, he, he and other people want people, you in this example, to abandon themselves in order to honor them. He would rather have had you abandon yourself and do what goes against your heart and your soul to make him happy who wasn't even a best friend of yours. Isn't right. that crazy? Yeah. It just makes people so upset and uncomfortable. Can't you just do what I want you to do? Can't you just live your life the way I want you to live it? Because now you're having me question things and I don't like that. But it's also disappointing to me because I have these rules for people. And if people don't follow those rules, it makes me very uncomfortable. And what we just say earlier about safety, what feels safe to people is what feels familiar to them. You just did something and colored outside of the lines, which makes me feel unsafe. So because I feel unsafe, 
I perceive you now. My brain literally perceives you as a threat. And what do we do when we feel a threat? We attack it. Yeah. And I think, you know, another example that's uh, different, but it was, it was in the same time period was one of my friends from, you know, an early age in, in, uh, actually early high school, very good friend of mine growing up who was still a friend of mine in adulthood. I'll never forget. And you know who I'm talking about. Well, and the four of you did stuff together constantly. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll never forget one of the first conversations that I, I was having with him when I, it said, hey, just so you know, I'm getting a divorce. His primary concern was, well, what happens to the Christmas party? Because I used to throw a really big Christmas party every year. And and they like literally that was his comment. Well, dude, what about the Christmas party? And I'm like, are are you effing kidding me? Like, like I can't believe you're just you're asking me about this. I'm trying to tell you how I feel and you're worried about a fucking Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And then he saw you at your company party. And you'd grown your hair a little bit longer and you'd start growing a beard. And someone said to you, Hey, you look really good. And he goes, Yeah, I don't think so. I miss the old TK. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's super unfortunate. You know, I think that the reason that I was never judgmental, I, I think when I saw things from the outside was, was probably the opposite of you. The reason I was not judgmental of other people in relationships, because I knew the behind the scenes in mine. Mm-hmm. You and know, you and, also didn't have the religious part. Yeah, I didn't have the religious part, right? But, but I also, like, for example, there was, there was some uh, people we know, he and uh, his wife got a divorce and they were, they were a family that I absolutely in my mind had on a pedestal. Uh, three amazing kids, like really solid kids. And, and, and had like the perfect picture of what uh, a marriage and a family was. And then all of a sudden one day it's an, it's basically comes out that they're getting a divorce. I'm like, what? And then the story comes out behind the divorce. And I'm like, wow, that is, that's literally me. He's about 10 years older. But as the story started to unfold, I'm like that, like it's literally a cookie cutter. Of me. In fact, it's somebody that I sought out for some advice and some, I guess, comfort, if you will, when I was going through that, because I knew that we had walked the exact same path. Mm. So we weren't going to talk about this, but I do want to say this because I feel like I'm, no one needs to share all of their ugly, especially on a podcast, but I do want to make sure that I'm honest about something because Anyone listening who knows us might be like, well, I mean, there's a little more there. I do want to say this. One reason your friends, it doesn't justify it, but one reason your friends were so angry wasn't just that you decided to get a divorce because I think they would have judged you and been angry even just for that. I am sorry, but the people you surrounded yourself with, they were your same friends from high school. No one had grown. You guys all kind of did the same thing together. And to me, in my opinion, those are not growth mindset people. So they would have judged you either way. But I think they were also angry because they made the false assumption that I, you know, your interest in me and us attracted, uh, being attracted to each other had something to do with you choosing to get a divorce. And the frustrating thing I will say about that is that nobody asked you. Like nobody sat you down and said, okay, hold on a second. So, you know, you've been honest that you now have feelings for your friend, Jill, you know, that you really were just platonic friends with. The timing's a little weird. Like what's been going on? And then the honest answer would have been, 
Well, the truth is watching her live her life free, I it really challenged me because I realized that that's what I want. I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. I watched someone choose herself and I watched how hard it was, but I also watched the freedom that came with that. And I, I can't live like this anymore. But two, once I told Jill the truth about my relationship and I said to her, you know what? I, this conversation has been enlightening for me. I, I, I can't do it anymore. Like I can't keep living this lie because let's go back a minute. When you said in that conversation to me, I always knew I would get a divorce. I moved out a few months into the marriage and almost got a divorce. And you said, I'll, I always knew I would divorce when they were in college. Remember what I said? I said, that is cruel. And if you're sure you're going to divorce and you're sure you, there's no, no way to save the marriage, no amount of therapy, coaching, counseling will change that. And you really have, you know, looked at yourself. You cannot leave someone hanging and then walk away once their kids go off to college because that's so, as a woman, I will say right. that's mean. Yeah. And, and and you were like, I honestly never thought about that. You actually thought it was the kind thing to do because you're thinking about the kids. Right. So if somebody, one of your friends who was criticizing had had that conversation with you, that sounds so reasonable. It may not be beautiful, like easy to hear or or see, but it makes sense. Oh, okay. So- in that conversation, I came to the realization, I made the decision. And suddenly that friend of mine, I realized, wow, like it's so weird because if I were going to be married, it would be someone like you, like you and I have that kind of connection because you and I did not think about that, feel that. There was like nothing other than platonic, like he's my buddy. Yeah, I, yeah. I know some people don't believe it, but yeah. I will swear on my children's lives. Like you were such a nice guy. But to me, when I look at somebody, if they're married, I don't even look at them that way. It's like they're my brother or my sister. It just doesn't enter my mind, right? right? And so I'd been around you and seen you and never thought a thing. But in that yeah. conversation, hours and hours talking, I was like, hold on a minute. You're right. I, you're the kind of guy I would be with too. This is crazy. Yeah, and let me pause you too, because I, I would have never crossed that line with you because I had such tremendous respect for you that I didn't, I, I would never have wanted you to think poorly of me, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It does. Um, and again, it's been just an interesting journey and an interesting process that, you know, having not lived through it, it's hard to describe and hard to explain, you know, the, the feeling behind it. But I would just encourage anybody to, when you've got friends or people that you know that are going through a situation like this, back to your Facebook post, if you can't simply be loving and supportive, then put the relationship on pause for six months. Let them live their life, right? Because in my opinion, the worst thing that you can do, because I still, like, it still bothers me to this day that my group of high school friends, guys, I pretty much have no relationship with them. They completely abandoned you yeah, and threw and, you in the trash and took her side. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, and and it was it was very bothersome too because there when I said that nobody knew the whole story, two of the guys knew part of the story, you know, and they'd known it for many years that I was unhappy, and the fact that when. I finally stood up for myself and said, this is, this is not what I want. This is not how I want to live my life. And then they switched gears, right? And, and I became the villain to them. It was, 
honestly, I sat there and I'm like, this is total bullshit. <laughs> you know, well, it, it yeah, was hurtful. It was, yeah. hurt, it was honestly, it was hurtful. But they, it, it is all, they did all of this without even having conversations with you. It's right. not like you, I mean, like there was no like bro code. There was no, hey, I'm not happy you're getting divorced, but are you okay? Like, what the hell's going on, dude? Like, you're getting a divorce? What is up? They heard what they wanted to hear. They saw what they wanted to see. They formulated an opinion. You know, Jill's a homewrecker and he's, quote, leaving his wife. And by the way, leaving his wife for her, which was so not true. Right. Right. And again, I don't want to make it too much about them, but I know people are listening. TK can relate to this. I know people listening are like, either I've seen that happen or I've been the judgy one or I've been the victim of that myself. So let's talk about what not to do, like specifically, but also then what to do. So a couple of things not to do. If you see someone getting a divorce, like you said, don't form an opinion. In my opinion, don't offer any advice unless they ask for it. Offer advice, like say, are you open to any advice? Would you like, how can I support you? That would be a great question. Hey, Mary, how can I support you? If you're not a good friend, I don't think you should even ask that. I think you just let them be and send them love and say, no one's perfect. I don't know all the facts. I'm going to form no opinion. That's probably a big thing because logically, I'm not faulting some of these people that were around me at the time. Logically, in their mind, from their vantage point, it would it would be as simple as, well, why don't you go to counseling? Just go to some counseling. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, And I am in my mind going, no, you don't get it. You don't understand you don't you, you don't understand the disconnection or the lack of connection that's there that that's not something that is repairable by going to counseling and even with my ex-wife that was her mindset that was literally her mindset right was it, what was that well i think this was a while later after you and i were involved with one another she made a comment she's like well i think if if you and i would have just gone to counseling you and i could have what you think you have with Jill. And I said, them are some fine words. <laughs> I said, I said, well, right there is the perfect example of that you don't understand what I'm talking about. And that's fine. I'm not, ju- I'm not judging her by any stretch, but my example back was that would be like saying the neighbor who lived next door, who was, you know, I would say that she was nice. She was attractive. She was a good mom. She was funny. And I said, that would be like saying, I won't say her name, but that would be saying that she and I could go to counseling every week for the next five years. And I would have this like soulmate connection with her. And that's just not possible. Like it would never be there. You know, and the other example too that I'd give is that during this whole process, I had gone out and met uh, a few buddies. These are not my high school friends, another group of friends for a drink after work one day. And there's like five guys sitting around the the table. And obviously, the, the, you know, this, the, the whole me getting a divorce was very fresh. And a couple of them started asking questions. And I started describing things to them. And I started describing also my relationship with you. And it was so interesting because, you know, a couple of them were like, yeah, that's, I don't, I don't buy into that. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you see in the movies. But two people spoke up. One spoke up and said, no, 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 hang on a second. I get what he's saying. He, and he literally said, I get what he's saying. I have friends that have relationships like that. I don't have that in my marriage. 
but I understand it. And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. And then, and then the other person, um, who we just saw at dinner the other night, he spoke up also. And, and I would say that, that again, on the outside, he and his wife for about what, 25 years have the type of relationship that you and I have as far as best friends. And he said, no, I totally get that. And because one of the one of the people said, you know, I made a comment about, you know, I would rather go to lunch with you, or I'd rather go do something with you than do something with the guys, right? And uh, and and somebody in the group had said, well, why would I want to have lunch with my wife during the week? I see her every night, and I'm like, oh, that's not that's not how I would want to be. Anyways, this particular individual said he kind of was quiet for a bit, and he's like, well my wife and I have lunch together like three or four times a week. You know, it's just, it's, again, I'm not judging any of those guys either because they all have their own perspective on things. And I think that's the, again, going back to the sort of the point of this, this podcast is just understanding that, that everyone has their own path. And, and when you look at somebody from the outside, you know, you're looking at them through your lens, even if you do your best to take the lens, the glasses off. Yeah, you can't. You, you can't do that. Well, and the judgment too, when people are judging or forming opinions or saying that there's a victim or a villain, when they look at divorce, we talked about religious reasons, religious doctrine or programming. We talked about just being a judgmental person in general and what that means. But another reason people do it is because they are triggered because they see that and they actually secretly want that. They are miserable in their marriage, but they're afraid to, or they feel that it's wrong to actually divorce. So then when someone else divorce divorces, they have to make them wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because they're like, dude, we, we, everybody has to be unhappy. It's like the crabs, you know, the analogy, or maybe it's a metaphor of the crabs, that if one crab starts to escape the bucket, the other crabs will, they've shown this, grab the crab that's climbing out and grab it back in. And so they will all die. You don't get to live. We're all going to die. And that's what many of us will do. And so that's another reason people get really triggered by divorce. You and I are not saying divorce is a great idea no, either. No, no, like yeah. we could do a whole podcast and I did one on what we hate about being divorced and what it did with our kids. Yeah, our, our I kids. think one of the things that I learned through the process, and again, it's been quite a while ago now, but is that I truly believe this. I believe that people that have been married, you know, 20, 25 years, I believe that 80% of the people that are in long-term marriages like that are either unhappy or unsatisfied. And by no means am I suggesting that people get divorced. I think that should be the absolute last option. But what I recognized in just having conversations and really like thinking about this is that the 80% of the people that are unsatisfied or unhappy, just do something to work on it. Like make the effort to work on yourself and, and, and work on your marriage and create the life and the marriage that you want. And understanding, because now you have to, it's almost like you're saying what someone said to you, just work on it. The realization too is, once you do work on it, you may realize that you're with the wrong person. Yeah, I, I think my point is, is that I believe the majority of people 
go through life on autopilot. And, you know, Saturday turns to Sunday, turns to Monday, turns to Tuesday. And there's just not a lot of thought. You know, you, you go through the motions, you go to work, you raise kids, you have all the stress that comes along with life. And there's not a focus on my individual happiness, the, the happiness that, that my partner has as an individual, the happiness that we create in our, in our marriage and how that, you know, I guess resonates with our kids and, and the environment that our kids grow up in. And so I can't say this enough that, that my encouragement would be if there's any part of, of you that feels like you're unsatisfied or there's an unsatisfactory area of your marriage or you're unhappy is to start digging into that and do the work, you know, to create the environment that you want. Yeah. Okay. And so looking back at when you see someone else getting a divorce, we talked about what not to do. What do you think people should do besides what I said? How can I, how can I support you best? Cause I, oh, I have another no. Do you mind if I share? Well, yeah, but I was, I, I'd say to me, that's, that's the only question to really ask. There you go. And, and, and cause I go back to even when you said, Hey, can I give you some advice? I would probably say yes to that. But the truth is, Unless you are me, unless you've walked my path, unless you had my childhood, unless you had all the stuff that I had in my life, your advice, it's not going to be wrong, but it's not going to fit perfectly mm-hmm. into the mold. So, so if you are, I, I say this, if you are offering advice like that, understand that, that the advice that you're offering comes again, with rose-colored glasses or amber-colored glasses or whatever filter you have on, mm-hmm. right? And it may sound wise and it may sound perfect from your perspective, but you're not them. Mm-hmm. So just understand if you give that advice and it's not taken or it's kind of uh, you know brushed off, that it's not possible for you to give somebody the yeah. perfect advice. Well, and I want to be clear, just a disclaimer for myself. My ego wants to jump in here and say, I didn't mean advice like, can I give you advice about marriage or divorce? I meant like, hey, are you open to me sharing something with you? And it might be, make sure you're not listening to what everyone's telling you to do. Right. Make sure you're you're really praying about this and you're listening to what your intuition and what your God says. Make sure you're physically taking care of yourself because this is going to be one of the hardest things you've ever gone through. You know, don't forget to love your kids through this and get get as much support as you need. You know, because it can be a very lonely, painful existence going through divorce, my God. Well, and let me pause there too, because one of the things that I know, and I'll speak specifically with family on my side, uh, one of the biggest, I guess, concerns, if you will, uh, specifically for my parents was the kids, the kids, the kids. They were so concerned about, about my two biological kids. And it's interesting now, you know, nine years, you know, post divorce and, and being married to you. My kids are very different people today in a positive way because of the process. Now, I'm not saying that there wasn't, there's not, there's not trauma there. I'm not saying that, that I didn't upend their world. I did. But I will say though, that how I'm showing up in their life is very, very different than I, would be showing up had I not made that choice. That's a good point. And it's not to pick on your parents, but people who who think this way and live sort of in a box, remember, we did this, so you should do this. We're going to just cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter, duplicate, duplicate. When they say, I'm so worried about the kids, some of that is too, 
it doesn't match up with what I see should be happening. Like I remember, anyway, we could go off on a tangent about that. But, you know, when you're looking at people who are going through divorce, remember that that they don't have a broken family. You know, that term is, is just so frustrating to me. The family is not broken. What's What's broken many times is the marriage and the relationship. It's two people pretending and not connected. That's broken. Your your children can feel true connection and they feel so much more grounded when there's true connection. Just because you have a marriage and you're living in the same household and you're playing house and looking good to everybody else, your children can feel the discontent. They can feel the lies. They can feel the self-abandonment. They can't interpret it consciously but they will feel it and it causes all kinds of things like insecurity, anxiety, things that might show up in kids later, nail biting, disordered eating, sleep disturbances, panic attacks. There are so many things that will show up in kids whose parents never divorced, never argued, everything looked perfect. I mean, that again could be a whole different conversation. One quick example that was really profound for me, because again, you know, when you're, it's like the fish the fish doesn't know it lives in water until he's out of the water, right? And so this was only a few months, you know, post-divorce for me. I remember having a conversation with Jessica at the time, who was 13, I think. I remember asking her, well, tell me, tell me a few things that you noticed, you know, about my relationship with your mom. And she would say things like, well, I noticed that you never hugged. I noticed that you never held hands. She, she, she listed these things that I had, which were accurate, but I had zero concept that she was picking up on. And then later on, I was having a conversation with her after you and I were together. And I, I said, the, the topic was basically, I was like, so tell me some things that you notice you know, about how Jill and I are that we're different, you know, than, than how I was with your mom. And she would say, she said, well, you know, you literally, this is a verbatim quote. You and Jill act like two 15 year olds. She said know, teenagers. Teenagers. Yeah. You don't act like a married couple. And, uh, and I said, well, what's a married couple act like? And she went on to repeat some of those things, you know, that she saw in, in my previous marriage. Yeah, they marriage. don't hold hands, they don't kiss. And it was, it was so interesting because it was then that the light bulb went off for me that, oh my gosh, here I was painting a picture for my kids on what a marriage should be that was not accurate. That was not a marriage that I would want them to have. That's one of the real gifts that you and I have been able to give to them. And I think all of our kids too, because your kids have similar experience, but you know, they see us together and they see us hold hands and snuggle on the couch and kiss. And, you know, just the way that we are with one another is, is, is how I want all of our kids to have for their entire life. And so to me, that's been one of the gifts that, uh, that's come out of this process. Mm -hmm. Okay, so someone listening knows of someone who's getting a divorce and there is a pretty good friend of theirs. Besides saying, how can I support you? Not painting a victim or a villain. I think another one would be, do not pick sides. I will never forget how grateful I was. Your core group of high school friends, which by the way, he and I went to high school together, so I knew these people quite well as well. They completely abandoned him, judged him, trashed his name, never spoke to him again. And by the way, they were his friends, not his ex-wife's friends. They were his friends. And then did the same to me. 
we ran into some people the other night at dinner and one of them isn't even in that group and she wouldn't even look at me. However, and this was nine years later. (laughs) And I didn't even know her, but I will add another, I just thought of, of what not to do. And that is, oh, I said that don't choose sides. But the example is that core group was that way, but I will never forget one of his ex-wife's closest friends. So not his close friend, he, he knew her and they were friends. One of her closest friends reached out to him and said, we'd like to meet Jill and we'd like to invite you to, it was Ree. We'd like to meet meet you for dinner. And his friend Ree, his ex-wife's friend Ree, never formed an opinion, didn't take sides, welcomed me with open arms. And I even said, are you really okay with this? And she said, I am 100% okay with this. She is my friend and I'm happy to meet you. And I, I'll just never forget that. So if you have a friend going through a divorce, Besides not choosing that there's someone bad or wrong and someone who's the victim, uh, also don't take sides. And I know it's hard because even if like one person, quote unquote, wronged the other, you have to understand and remember that there's a lot behind the scenes and there's a backstory to that. And that person subconsciously probably, okay, just hear me out, signed up for that. Doesn't mean they deserved it. Doesn't mean they deserved it but they somehow enabled it and invited it into their life. And so, you know, us forming an opinion and taking a side is so just, it's not okay, but I get it's difficult, you know, but so you can just choose to be neutral. If you like, if you say, dude, I am not going to dinner with the new girlfriend. Okay, then don't do that. But consider not making him or her, whoever chose the divorce, wrong because you do not really know because you weren't in the marriage. And as TK said before, if you were them, you would have made the same decision because you'd be them. I think one thing I'll add also is that I'm just a firm believer that everybody is doing the best they know how to do in in every situation at every moment. Even when we become dysregulated and we yell at our kids or get an argument with our spouse or whatever, even in those, those moments, and you can think up terrible things. I truly believe at my core, the person is doing the best they know how in the moment, giving all the stuff and all the background and all the history that makes up their life. Right? So even when you look at, that person, male or female in a marriage, and, and they, and you say, man, they really wronged that person, or I cannot believe they would do that. Rather than judging that person, understand that again, you've never walked their path and try to get yourself at that time to go, okay, whatever choices they made, for whatever reason, they were doing the best they knew how at that moment in time. You know, and that might, that might give you some empathy or some compassion to see that, you know what, there's more behind the scenes than, than I recognize. And, uh, maybe I should consider myself fortunate because I've done more work than that person has. Yeah. That's a really good point. And here's what's interesting. When you look at TK's ex-wife, I would never speak for someone, but she has said this to me and TK. Yes, he quote unquote left her. No, she didn't see it coming. She was shocked. She felt blindsided, even though you knew from day one. Right to this day, she would say, I am so glad. No offense, TK. She would say, I'm so glad I'm not married to TK anymore because she is so madly in love. She's engaged to be married. And she has said on social media and off and has said to me in a text, 
I am so glad it happened because I didn't realize I was with the wrong person. I'm finally with like the person I'm supposed to be married to and the person that I'm a better fit with. So, you know, we, we never know when we're looking at someone else's situation, if what we believe is the wrong decision is actually the right decision. So this is a great conversation. Our 20 minute conversation turned into an hour, but it was awesome. It took a little turn here and there along the way, but just like life, just like marriage, right? <laughs> yeah, this was great, honey. I enjoy being on the podcast. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. It's been yeah. Like many, 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 many episodes behind the scenes and kind of watching it unfold. I couldn't be more proud of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so funny because it's not like I'm I'm like hurting for gas and here, come fill a spot. I I genuinely wanted to have him on. And I think you probably heard why, because we we do have a lot to share and we've been through a lot together and we've healed a lot and learned a lot. So we'll have to have you on again. We'll talk about parenting. Next time, you know what? So we talked about how we made our marriage great. We talked about what not to do when you see a divorce, which turned into us talking about us getting a divorce. And then we could do an episode on blending families and being a step parent. That would be a great one. Yeah. As a precursor to that, I think that um, I'll just say this, that one of the things I would say that I'm most proud of, not just in our marriage, but in my life, is the amount of work that you and I put into blending the family. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, you, you would agree that it's not been easy. But um, here we are today with adult children that that are truly good friends, mm-hmm. you know, and we have such a good time with uh, with all the kids when they come home. Uh, but it didn't happen by accident. No, and I'm very close with your biological children, and you are very close to my biological children. Like equally all around, it's it is pretty amazing. So we need to write a book about that. <laughs> all right, love you so much. Okay, so I am assuming that this was helpful to you. Please send this to anyone going through a divorce, getting a divorce, someone who has gotten a divorce. Send it to someone who you judged for getting a divorce and tell them I'm sorry. (laughs) And uh, as always, I really, really appreciate ratings and reviews. A five-star rating and a glowing review, review would be great. Yet, I want you to give the rating and review that feels true to you and feels aligned. Okay, so I will see you next week. And don't forget, breathe love yourself and surrender.